Hey everybody, it's me Amanda with Once in a Wild Wednesday and welcome back to another Wednesday with Once in a Wild and uh, well, it's me Amanda with Once in a Wild and welcome back to another Once in a Wild Wednesday is what I meant to say, but we had some technical problems and it looks like we are okay now. Let me know over on Facebook if you're there or if you're not or if you can see things, if it's blurry, if it looks great, just let me know and give me all the feedback that really helps us out. And thank you for being here on Instagram Live. Sorry about the delay, you guys. Um, we usually start at 6.30 p.m. and it's only 6.37, so we're not too super late. Uh, if at first you don't succeed, keep on trying and it should work out, right? So don't uh, ever give up on your dreams, you guys. You can do it. Uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get started before anything else happens, shall we? Hello everybody on Instagram and hello on Facebook and YouTube. It's really nice to see you guys. Uh, it's been a while. We actually took a, a week off last week because I was out of town. I was actually in Kansas last week and uh, thank you for your patience. We just ran a rerun and I've been having a whole lot of amazing special guests here on Once in a Wild Wednesday as you've probably seen. Uh, if you haven't seen the special guests, please go back to our YouTube and check those videos out. They've been a lot of fun and tonight we are I'm all alone, all by myself, once again, like it usually is. Um, and we didn't have any special guests scheduled tonight. So I thought I would go ahead and include Instagram. I'm actually recording on my phone for Instagram Live. If you guys prefer Instagram, you can watch over there if you want, or maybe it'll be something for you to review later. Uh, if you guys don't know who we are or who I am, my name is Amanda. I am the founder and lead animal specialist here at Once in a Wild. And each and every Wednesday, we go live for free over here on Facebook and YouTube and sometimes on Instagram as well, if I can. And uh, it's just kind of a free program for you guys. And it also promotes what we do and can teach you guys a little bit about some animals that we have and tell you guys all about what we do. Um, if you want to help us out and help keep our animals fed and happy and taken care of, you can donate to Once in a Wild. You can leave us a tip as well if you love the show or if you just want to sponsor one of our animals, et cetera, uh, that can be done at onceinawild.com slash donate. Um, it's really easy to find over on the main website as well, onceinawild.com. And the uh, website is right here down below if you happen to be watching on YouTube or Facebook. You can also donate via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal as well if you'd like to. And every little bit helps us keep our animals happy fed I almost said fat fat and happy <laughs> happy and fed and taken care of you guys and uh, we do have a mobile zoo based in San Antonio Texas that so we service the South Texas area we can bring animals to your uh, birthday party event uh, photo opportunities are really fun with the animals as well we can also do education programs for schools or your birthday party if you prefer a presentation versus a petting zoo scenario more casual experience we can do all kinds of stuff with our animals and help you guys out to learn about them and appreciate animals and wildlife all over the place and our main goal is to help you appreciate animals and want to take care of them and pretty much take that knowledge and pay it forward and tell all your family and friends about us and about what we do and why animals are so awesome and that will help you guys to uh, save them and take care of them in your own life right uh, we do also educate about animal and pet care as well if you guys want to learn anything about your pets care especially exotic pets but even dogs and cats too I can help you out with that as well please feel free to give me a ring or, or uh, uh, contact us via social media or the website as well. 
we love to hear from you. And if you guys are not in our area, it's okay. We actually do also offer virtual animal experiences, very, very similar to what you're seeing now. We would jump in on a Zoom or whatever platform you prefer, but we prefer Zoom. And we can actually bring animals to a really neat Zoom. It's almost like your own custom TV show. You get to pick the animal species. And we typically start with eight animals for one hour. And that's where we uh, kind of go from there. And it's really good to see some of you guys watching this evening. I know it's been a minute since I've been all by myself. And it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a break from the guests, even though I've been really appreciating all of the guests that have been uh, coming onto the show. If you haven't already followed our Facebook page or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's another great way you can help us out or even following us on social media like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We're all over the place. And the links are always in the description for your convenience on this broadcast, but also at onceandawild.com. So there's a little bit something for everybody. Uh, and as far as our animals go, if you're not familiar with us, we do have birds, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and invertebrates. So a little bit of something for everybody. And uh, we're really excited to be back for another Once in a Wild Wednesday. It's been a while, like I said, and uh, we're happy to see you guys. If you guys have any questions or comments regarding the animals tonight, feel free to add a question or comment down below, and we will do our best to answer the question and uh, uh, maybe uh, acknowledge the comment. And we thank you for your positive reinforcement and comments <laughs> down below. Always keep it family friendly, you guys, because this is a family friendly channel, of course. And uh, tonight we do have three animal species to learn about. Uh, what's been going on with us? Well, we've been super busy. If you hadn't noticed, Once in a Wild is super duper busy. Not that I'm complaining. Um, we are getting back into the winter kind of weather. I know for Texas, it really isn't that cold, but it's something to think about. So if you happen to be interested in a birthday party or event in person, and you're wanting to book for the winter, just keep in mind, we probably need an indoor space to work with. Um, or you're going to have to choose some of our cold weather animals. I thought about doing a cold weather animal presentation maybe next week. We'll talk about uh, winter animals and which animals can tolerate some of the cold. We do have a few choices. So we'll talk about that another time. Um, but there are a few choices for that and uh, not as many uh, cold weather as hot hot weather or warm weather animals. We do have a lot of reptiles, amphibians and things that cannot to tolerate the cold. But one of our amphibians that can tolerate the cold very well is our axolotls. Uh, axolotls actually do prefer uh, cooler temperatures anyway. So they can actually handle pretty cold temperatures. I would say in the 50s, maybe a little bit less than the 50s and they're just fine. We don't want to put them through too much, right? remember it's just for a short event so they're not out there too long um but yeah so that's a fun fact about axolotls they actually really like cold weather i'm getting a phone call over here on on my phone so i'm gonna silence that how rude <laughs> no just kidding uh, so you guys it's really great to be back i hope you're doing well i hope you're getting ready for like the holidays coming up speaking of winter some of the holidays are coming up. Have you gotten your Christmas shopping started yet or even finished? Some of you overachievers may have already gotten all your Christmas shopping done already. What a great gift, a once in a wild experience. Maybe we can help you with a Christmas experience. I would love that. Or maybe even just a gift card with once in a wild because we do have those as well over on our website. Or you can just, you know, purchase an encounter for your friends and family who love animals. It's a much uh, more exciting uh, gift, in my opinion. <clears throat> Excuse me. Getting emotional. <laughs> no, I just have a dry throat. Mm. Getting emotional talking about our company. Just kidding. Um, so um, 
it's a great gift because it's not something that's going to end up like in the landfill, right? <laughs> it's going to be an experience of a lifetime. You guys can meet some animals up close and personal, learn about them. Trust me, it's a lot of fun and it's a super duper big hit uh, for people of all ages. We can even bring animals over for animal therapy if you want just something casual or animal selfies, photo opportunities. Those are always really fun, a fun way to kind of sneak some education into your life where it's really fun, but we're also going to teach you about the animals as well. And then you can take some fun, some fun pictures with the animals and tag us, of course, on our social media. And that helps us out as well to spread the awareness. But what we do here at Once in a Wild is uh, we educate about our animals and about animals all over the world. We have animals that can represent species all over the planet. And uh, tonight we're going to meet three animal species. Don't forget, if you have questions or comments about the animals, please let me know. I'll do my best to address them and uh, highlight them down below. Those of you that are over on Instagram, I'll do my best to show the animals to both, both you and uh, Facebook and YouTube as well. So our first animal is actually going to be popping right up from down here. Uh, he is in his travel bin right now. His name is Thanos. Thanos is a really cool lizard, you guys. So when it comes to lizards, there are many, many different types of lizards here at Once in a Wild. We've got a Savannah Monitor Lizard. We have uh, two bearded dragons. Their names are Eddie and Debbie. We have, um, what else do we have? Of course, we have uh, Jackson's Chameleons. There's Samuel L. and uh, uh, Janet Jackson. or two Jackson's Chameleons currently. And we also have a Tegu named Lulu. She's a Colombian black and white Tegu. We've got Crested Geckos and Leopard Geckos. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, of course. <laughs> Excuse me. Joanna the Iguana, the best lizard on the planet. And she is the queen of lizards. So Joanna the Green Iguana. And I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but it's it's like remembering all your children. We actually have more than 100 animals here once in a while in our collection. Most of those are smaller. <laughs> and a lot of those are actually Madagascar hissing cockroaches because they're having lots of children all the time. So that's good. That means that they're happy and, and thriving. Uh, but we are going to meet a really special lizard right now. Why don't we go ahead and meet him? Go ahead and um, retrieve him out of his travel enclosure. I want you guys to know that are new. These animals that um, come into the studio... Ooh, there he is. These animals that come into the studio, um, they get to hang out in their travel enclosures while they're hanging out with me in the studio, but it is not what they live in full time, right? Um, all the animals have much larger enclosures and spaces than what you uh, may imagine here in the studio. So don't you worry. Thanos has a great big enclosure. It's a screen enclosure because he's a chameleon and chameleons do much better with screen enclosures for ventilation and whatnot because uh, they're special, special, special. So he is a panther chameleon. He's an embonja panther chameleon. Let's see if we can get him in focus for you guys. And let me tell you what, his appearance on camera does not do him justice. He is absolutely gorgeous. I wonder if we can get some more light on him here some more light on this chameleon. He is blue. He's got a little bit of purple, a little bit of red freckling right now. But of course, you guys know that chameleons, especially panther chameleons, they change colors. Whoa, he's showing me a little sass over here. So Thanos is not really the biggest fan of people. <laughs> so <laughs> we named him Thanos for a reason. He's kind of a villain. Hello, Kathleen. Hello, Ricardo, by the way. And, uh, but he is a beautiful and Bonja Panther chameleon. Over on Instagram, you guys are getting a really cool view of him with his striping and everything. Look at that. Um, Panther chameleons come from Madagascar and there's many, many subspecies of them. And Bonja is one of them. 
They are blue, purple, red, typically, and they, of course, vary and change their patterns and color depending on their mood, depending on their temperature, or if they want to change temperature a little bit, and for communication. Did you guys know that chameleons actually don't change color just to blend into things? That's not really true. Um, he cannot touch pink sunglasses and turn pink. There's a famous YouTube or video in general. I don't know if it's just on YouTube or everywhere now, probably on TikTok too. Now, TikTok's like the, the thing that the kids are doing and maybe other things. But if, if the kids are doing other things, let me know. We'll keep up with that on social media. But uh, there's a famous like kind of old fake video, super fake, of a veiled chameleon, one of the more commonly kept chameleons in the pet trade. Um, it's actually perching and stepping on a whole bunch of different colored sunglasses, like kind of like one by one and changing colors. That does not happen. That does not happen. And uh, uh, is not how chameleons operate at all. The chameleons can't just touch something like this stick and turn brown or else he'd be brown, right? And not blue. So he is blue, purple, red, a little bit of white, right? On his kind of um, lateral area, which is the center of his body, lateral line, like a fish. Ooh, and his lips are white too. Can you guys see him over here on Instagram? Isn't that cool? They do vary between those colors, blue, purple, light blue, dark blue, red, for this subspecies of panther chameleon, the Anja. There's other types of panther chameleons like Ambalomis, which are like rainbow colors. They look like tie-dye, pretty awesome. And uh, they can change all sorts of colors, but again, they're not gonna change colors to like blend into a brown stick or blend into the purple backdrop or anything like that. So they blend in naturally just by living where they live, which is up in the treetops. And also just kind of being surrounded by leaves and shadows. And they even of course have like a striping pattern. So having that is gonna give them a uh, cat-like camouflage, like tiger stripes or panther spots. This is a panther chameleon. Um, so I believe they were called panther chameleon for a couple of different reasons. They do stalk their prey kind of like a cat-like maneuver. They will kind of creep up and stalk their prey. And also um, for their markings, they do have uh, varied spots and stripes, kind of like a cat. So somebody thought that reminded them of, of a panther. It doesn't really remind me of a panther, more like a tiger, but that's okay. Panther chameleon, that's what they are. But again, there's many subspecies like the Ambonja, Ambalomis, Nosy Bee, or Nosy Bay, depending on who's who you're asking, etc. There's many different types of panther chameleon. Now Thanos just went through a really big shed where he shed all his um, kind of upper, or, uh, uh, not upper, but outer layer of skin. And that's called the epidermis, right? That's what everybody sees on your skin. But periodically uh, chameleons and most lizards, <laughs> for that matter, all lizards, have to shed their skin as they grow. Since he's a sub-adult, not adult adult, but he's he's a sub-adult, um, not a baby anymore. And kind of like, like I would say, teen teen chameleon maybe a little bit older than a teen maybe he's like like 19 <laughs> uh, if he were a human but uh definitely mature but not all the way as big as he's going to get so since he's that old he's not gonna shed as often when they're babies they just shed a lot more often because they're growing faster which makes a lot of sense in nature because you don't really want to be that tiny you're more vulnerable to predators and things so the faster you grow the more uh, likely you'll survive right in nature He's gonna be just fine either way, right? Cause he doesn't have to worry about predators. But anyway, so he just went through a big shed. He's not gonna shed as often at his age as he would have when he was like a baby, right? Um, so yeah, that was neat to see. He, he shed all of his uh, 
outer layer of skin, the epidermis, it turned white and flaked right off. Similarly to when maybe if you get a sunburn or something like that, and all that dead skin just flakes right off. But so he is extra, extra blue and just beautiful. You guys can see all that striping. He's kind of leaning in a weird position. Um, so he's going to make me hold him a little more awkwardly. But over on Instagram, especially, you guys can see his striping. Really cool. Let's see if we can show you guys. Look how beautiful that is. They are just gorgeous. He's trying to stay as still as he can to be hidden. He's like, I'm just part of the tree. Do not look. Blend in, blend in. Now, chameleons are very special, not just for their colors and beauty, but for behaviors and abilities. So these guys are, of course, an arboreal lizard. We'll start there. Arboreal means that they uh, live in the trees. They live in the trees and they climb the trees. They definitely don't live on the ground. So these guys will almost never go down to the ground unless it's an emergency, like they need to escape a flood or a fire or to get from one tree to the next and they can't, they can't otherwise. Of course they can't fly or anything or jump really. Uh, so going down to the ground sometimes does happen. And some other chameleon species that live more in like a desert habitat because there are a few of those. This is a tropical species here. But some that live in the desert, they might have to go to the ground a little more often. Um, but in general, they're really never going to go down to the ground unless they absolutely have to. And that makes them an arboreal species. They live in the trees and they're going to have like little pinching feet. They have just as many toes as any other lizard does, which is five on each hand and foot. But they're fused in a special way to where they're like functioning like chip clips. They have like chip clip toes, which I love. Um, and that's going to help them just to pinch the branches of the tree very, very easily. And they're super well designed for just like climbing the trees. And they can even just fall asleep by pinching and just hanging on to the tree branch and just go right to sleep. Right now he's posturing like, oh, hope she doesn't see me or do anything um, to harm me. He's just kind of in a defensive posture. But he looks gorgeous. Um, they also have a prehensile tail, right? Prehensile means grasping. That tail is grabbing the branch right here just like another limb for him. It's a very, very functioning limb as well. And unlike many other lizards that are out there in nature, he doesn't lose his tail. His tail does not have tail autonomy, which means they lose the tail and it pops right off like geckos and anoles, for example, and other lizards. Um, their tails can pop off. Even tegus can lose their tail very easily when um, grabbed or threatened. And that tail would then grow back for most of those species. Now he doesn't have that ability. His tail is like another limb another hand or leg um so he doesn't want to do that ever <laughs> but they don't have that ability to to use tail autonomy they cannot pop their tail off for defense at all um another thing that makes them very special is their flat bodies these guys are flat like a leaf so if i turn him this way he's probably going to keep turning which is good because that means he's healthy and aware um but see how flat he is his head is kind of bulky but his body is flat like a fish flat like a fish flat like a leaf that's not because he swims, that's because he has to go in between tree branches and leaves and needs to be able to do that with ease in order to, uh, you know, thrive in the treetop. So he's going to easily be able to get in between and in and out of those spaces in between leaves and tree branches by being the shape of a leaf itself. Pretty cool. Also being the shape of a leaf helps him to look like a leaf. And again, that's another form of camouflage. If you didn't know any better, and this was kind of far away, let's let's bring him further away. Imagine he was up in a tree just like this. You would not see this animal. Even though he's blue and looks really bright colored here on the show, out in nature, those shadows and, uh, well, the markings look like shadows, right? And he himself looks like a leaf of like, um, 
like a, a croton or something like that, some kind of colorful tropical plant. He himself looks like a plant, which is very helpful for him to hide from his enemies, like birds and things that might want to eat him. All sorts of animals can eat them in Madagascar, where they're from. <laughs> Hi, Instagram. It's once on a wild Wednesday. I thought I would include our Instagram family and friends. Um, so these guys uh, naturally just kind of look like something natural in a tree. So that helps them too, right? Especially when they're just hanging out. Um, another thing that makes chameleons very special are their eyeballs. Now, they have some of the best vision of all the lizards. But also, they have independently moving eyes. Now, did you know that a lot of lizards actually do have independently moving eyes? twist this a little bit so you guys can see. A lot of lizards have independently moving eyes, but none are like the chameleon, quite as quite as extreme as the chameleon, I should say. So his eyes are covered in a sheath. Each eyeball has like a sheath of skin and scales on it. And uh, underneath is a big eyeball with a little peephole so he can see. Uh, but each eye can literally move almost anywhere it wants. <laughs> anywhere for them to see and function like that. So inside of their brain as well. It's a little too bright in here. Inside of their brain as well, um, well, their vision is split in two. So they basically, inside their head, are seeing two different uh, fields of vision. Or imagine having two different computer or, or uh, phone screens or TV screens in your head, and you're seeing two different, totally different things. And they can kind of look around wherever they want, and see whatever they need to see for safety purposes. They're looking around for predators. They're looking around for maybe mates. They're looking around for uh, weather change. Whatever they're looking around for, that's what they're doing. Uh, looking around for food, right? I don't know if I mentioned that. Their food is going to be moving food, like worms and insects and maybe tiny geckos and other little things like that. If it is a moving animal and smaller, small enough for them to get it down into their get it into their mouth and down, they can't eat it. You guys know what I'm trying to say. If it's small enough for them to, for it to fit in its mouth and for them to eat it comfortably, they will try to eat it. So if it's a moving animal of any kind, but they mostly eat insects. So things like roaches, crickets, worms, all kinds of stuff, bugs, dragonflies, wasps, they can eat all kinds of stuff, especially in the jungle of Madagascar, where they're from. And uh, once they see it, they'll actually uh, move their eyes forward binocularly, just like a person looking forward, like, like I'm looking at you guys. And uh, otherwise, their eyes are kind of drifting all over the place, looking in two different directions. But once they focus on something, they can focus both eyes forward. And that's when they typically want to, uh, you know, when they grab their food, they're going to want to look at it first binocularly, straight ahead. And... Once they decide they want to eat something, they do not have to be very close to that food item, like a, say the dragonfly or something like that. They can be as far away as this because every chameleon's tongue is so very stretchy. It can actually stretch as long as the tip of his nose to the tip of his tail when it's actually stretched out. So when he has his tail fully extended, not gripping onto a branch like this, but when it's fully extended, that's how long his, his tongue can reach. Isn't that amazing? Now, it stretches out really far and then compresses right back into his mouth for convenience. And the end of his tongue is extremely bulbous, large, and sticky. And not only is it sticky, it also wraps around the food when it sticks to the food. So if the tongue comes out, whoops, and that bulbous end, it's like kind of like a thick, 
gross tongue on the end. Super gross, but really cool. Um, it will wrap around the food item as well. So it kind of engulfs it. I'm trying to think of something that it reminds me of, but it kind of just like whoop, like in, into, into like the blob of their tongue and whips right back into their mouth immediately. And that's when they can crunch up the food right after that. So that's a really convenient way to like kind of reach out and grab their food. They don't have to do that with their hands. They don't have to do, even do that with their mouth. The mouth crunches up food just like any other lizard's mouth that eats bugs. Um, oh my goodness, you're okay. Um, but they don't have to be anywhere close to their food. So that's an adaptation that they have to be able to hunt a lot more successfully. Um, some of those very, very speedy and fast food items that can get away by flying away or crawling away quickly, right? So I hope you guys are enjoying Thanos. Thanos is one of our chameleons. We do have three chameleons here at Once in a While currently. We've kept others in the past. Now, my favorite thing uh, about panther chameleons, hmm, people ask me that all the time. I think they're just the, the prettiest of all the chameleons, in my opinion. There are some that are just as pretty, and I'm sure everybody has their favorites. My favorite chameleon species are actually the Jackson's chameleons. I just really like the way they look, and I like their size. They're very small. Panthers have some of the most impressive colors of some of the subspecies are very colorful, right? Uh, so a lot of people like them and they want to see Thanos. Thanos is quite a grumpy gentleman. So uh, he's not a gentleman at all. He's actually kind of a jerk. Um, not every panther chameleon is like that. Some of the other ones that we've had in the past were very, very mellow and, and sweet. But uh, chameleons in general do not make good pets. So I don't want you guys to be misled. Um, do not get a pet, a pet chameleon. They are very bad pets. And I say that with a lot of confidence. Chameleons really don't do well in the care of humans for anyone, even somebody like myself that has been caring for them for a long time. Hi, Inga. Nice to see you. Thank you for coming in and saying hello. We're also on Instagram today as well. Um, but these guys make terrible pets. And I'll tell you why. They don't do well health-wise in the care of humans at all. They don't really do well in the wild either. Sometimes they do. And that's only going to be the strongest and most fit and uh, the ones that have, you know, survival of the fittest and everything else. But in my opinion, they do better in the wild than they do in the care of humans. We're always learning all the time and care for them has improved quite a bit. Um, but there's so many special needs that they have and requirements that they have that it's super duper hard to keep them healthy in the care of humans. They also don't even live that long, even when cared for the best of the best, right? So even when they are properly cared for and everything's great, you still might not have genetics on your side and you still might have illnesses that happen. You know, everybody succumbs to illness at some point in their life. And chameleons are really hard to read and to be able to tell if they're feeling well or not. Even for somebody like myself that's worked with tons of them. And for that reason, chameleon and more, chameleons really don't live that long at all. Um, anywhere from three to maybe five, maybe seven is about what they live. It's not very long. Thanos is about two. So he's not old by any means. He's, you know, he, he, he's already almost an adult and they don't live very long. Uh, a few chameleons of different species, so many different species of chameleons have made it to like 10, but that's super old for chameleons. So they really just don't live very long. And the more I research, the more I just want to spread the word and tell people never to get them. They should not be sold at pet stores because people impulse buy them all the time from pet stores. If you do, or you're just like diehard set on a chameleon, please support a breeder who's very responsible and actually, you know, aims for the best genetics and health and will educate the their customers. And uh, please do not buy from a pet store because most of the pet store chameleons and lizards in general are going to be wild caught from the wild and they are probably not going to do very well. But I do not recommend chameleons for pets at all, um, even for really anyone. 
Um, and that's just how I feel about it. Uh, I've seen a lot of chameleons get sick and, and not do well in the care of humans. They're really, really difficult. They're not mean. Thanos is kind of grumpy and mean, but usually chameleons are pretty, you know, safe, for lack of better words, to be around and handle. They're not necessarily going to come out and attack you or anything like that. They can. They can bite if they want to. And Thanos has bitten me because he's grumpy. <laughs> and I've had to, like, give him, like, medication and things like that in his past because chameleons or animals that get sick sometimes. Um, so anyway, if you're not prepared for all that, you shouldn't have any animal. <laughs> but you shouldn't have a chameleon. And they're really just not good pets. They don't do well in the care of humans. But it's nice to have, you know, to be able to take in some chameleons like we do and be able to educate you guys on them because they're amazing animals. They're like fantastic. One of my favorite species in the entire world uh, happen to be chameleons, uh, Jackson chameleon. Uh, but uh, they are best left in the wild or in zoos or with professionals, in my opinion. A lot of chameleons are impulse bought and then don't make it or they get rehomed because people didn't know what they were in for. Um, and a lot of their signs and symptoms are really, really subtle. Um, it's almost like having a bird, but in my opinion, even more subtle. If you don't know what you're looking for, you may not even know your chameleon didn't feel well. Um, and when a chameleon doesn't feel well, it's pretty much an emergency situation. You have to take them to the vet and it has to be a very, very well-versed vet in chameleons, not just lizards, but chameleons. So somebody very, very uh, experienced and knowledgeable about chameleons. And even they do their best and, and things don't go well sometimes. So it just depends. Um, but they, when they start to show signs, it's often too late, unfortunately. And uh, chameleons are one of those funny animals that uh, I hope you don't judge us, but they're one of those animals that go to the vet more often than almost any other creature in our collection here at Once in a Wild Animal Ambassadors. And that is, again, because they don't live very long, they age very quickly, um, and they, they tend to get a lot of health issues, eye issues nasal issues, um, upper respiratory stuff in general, skin issues, you name it, not eating, <laughs> all the things I've seen it all because I've had a lot of uh, young, old and middle-aged chameleons, but they are beautiful. I understand why people love them. The best thing to do if you want to get to know a chameleon is by kind of learning through us or going to a zoo and things like that, um, be able to get close to one. I don't recommend them for pets. There's much better choices. If you are dead set on a pet lizard, um, I would suggest a blue tongue skink, leopard gecko, or even a bearded dragon in your life. However, all of those animals also need lots and lots and lots of attention and lots and lots and lots of research and special requirements and needs. And they are exotic animals. They're not cats and dogs. So there's not as much information on their health care, diet, care in general. So you have to make sure and do a ton of research from the right sources, which is one reason why we opened up Once in a Wild in the first place, is to be able to be a resource for you guys. So we'd love to help you out if you ever have questions about exotic pets like that. We're an open book and we'd love to help you. I would love, love, love to educate you guys. It's one of my passions. I think pets and animals kept in people's homes are just as important as wildlife. And uh, the more we learn, the better lives that they will have in your own home as well as otherwise. So I hope that makes sense. But yeah, it's a wonderful animal. They are so special. They're like, they're kind of like the flowers of the lizard world. They are just gorgeous, but sometimes they're here today and gone tomorrow, unfortunately. And that's just their lot in life. Chameleons don't live very long. They grow very fast. They grow to breeding size so they can breed and pass on their genetics. And uh, that's just how it is. Now, speaking of breeding, these guys are egg-laying chameleons. And you might be thinking, well, of course they are. Well, did you know that some chameleons do not lay eggs? Many chameleon species, including Jackson's chameleons, one of my favorites, give live births. 
they are really cool. They actually give live births to many, many babies per like brood or litter uh, when they have them. And these guys do lay eggs and most chameleon females that are egg laying species. So like a female panther chameleon won't live very long. In fact, uh, even less than the male, you're already thinking, oh my gosh, these chameleons don't live very long as it is. Yes, and females live about half of that. So females usually only make it to about two or three maximum, maybe four, very, very old for a female. And that's because their body is designed to make a bunch of eggs, lay them, and that's it. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that they pass away right after giving giving birth or laying eggs. That's not really the case. But their body has a lot of stress on it. Even if you're not even intending to breed them, they might get eggs anyways and either can't lay them and become egg bound, which can happen very often to several species of lizards and tortoises and things actually that lay eggs. Um, or uh, just from laying a ton of eggs because they have a lot of them when they lay. Just like chameleons that give life birth have a lot of babies when they have live babies. But again, that makes sense if your main goal as a species is to procreate, <laughs> is to grow very fast and procreate so that your species can continue. Now, these guys are not endangered yet, but they're becoming less and less all the time because they are an, an island species. Many species of chameleons in general, including panthers, remember there's different subspecies. This is an Imbonja, panther chameleon, which are typically blue or purple or purple red-ish color. They vary individual to individual. But Mbanjas and all of their cousins, the Embolomies, Nosy Bays, and more, um, all those guys are panther chameleons, and they are an island species from Madagascar. And there's other species from Madagascar that are chameleons too that only live there. So when animals only live in one place, especially an island, they are already experiencing a lot of pressure on them um, just for survival in general because they don't have anywhere else to go. Now, Madagascar is a huge island. Don't get me wrong. It's not a tiny island by any means. However, it's still an island and they are, uh, uh, you know, kind of blocked off from the rest of the mainland of Africa because Madagascar is right off the coast of Africa in the African continent. There are some other species of chameleons like the Jacksons, I keep talking about them, but just like the Jacksons that are from like Kenya and some other countries in Africa too. And chameleons come from a, a handful of other places. But many, many, many of the species of chameleons only come from Madagascar. So all of those animals on Madagascar including one of their favorite foods, the Madagascar hissing cockroach. Oh my gosh, um, they're only found there. Some of the lemurs as well. In fact, I think all lemurs, if I'm not mistaken, there might be a few lemurs in Africa as well. Please don't quote me on that, prim primate specialists out there. But most of the lemur, all the lemur species that live on Madagascar only are found there. So many, many species on Madagascar um, are experiencing that pressure of just having that, that only that place to live. So most of those animals are not doing the best, even though they may not be classified yet as endangered. It takes a lot of work, um, surveying, scientific study, etc., to actually classify and protect an animal as endangered. That takes a lot of work and, and stuff. <laughs> Long story, uh, but most of those animals um, are on their way to becoming endangered because of habitat loss in Madagascar. And these guys are no different. They rely on trees, they rely on the rainforest, and they rely on that habitat or biome to be very healthy for them in order for them to thrive in the wild as well. And they, uh, yeah, so they're they're not doing the best, um, mostly because of habitat loss. I don't mean to be a downer over here, Debbie Downer, uh, but. It is the truth. We want to talk, talk to you guys about endangered species and how we can help them, right? So one really great way is to um, just kind of learn about the animals, right? You didn't even know where panther chameleons came from in the first place. They don't just come from pet stores and breeders and reptile expos, right? They come from Madagascar in the wild and they should be in the wild driving out there. Now, I do not believe it is legal to import 
any animals from Madagascar anymore, but they used to be imported, which means brought into this country illegally or, or legally um, for the pet trade and all the things. Um, most panther chameleons that I've ever seen are actually captive bred, which is good. At least we're going the right way. Now, I might be wrong. I can't remember now if there's actually legal importation of panther chameleons right now or if that is now illegal. Maybe you'll have to help me research on that. It should be illegal, though, in my opinion, because it's not not great to take them out of the wild. Now, there are some other reasons to take animals out of the wild, and I'm, I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but sometimes we need new genetics to keep the species alive. Now, I don't know if that might be the case with the panther chameleon. Maybe we need to help them out in that way, but that's a whole different story. And now that I think about it, it may be still legal to bring these guys in, because I've definitely seen wild-caught panther chameleons in my lifetime, but uh, things are changing all the time. So you guys will have to let me know. If you know any better, speak up. Don't be shy. If you guys are just joining us, my name is Amanda. And this is Once in a Wild Wednesday. Uh, Once in a Wild is our company. And I'm the founder and animal specialist here on the team. And uh, this is Thanos. <laughs> Thanos is one of our chameleons. He's our panther chameleon. He's an Mbonja panther chameleon. He is very, very high blue. Uh, his dad, or at least... I don't know if his dad was extremely dark blue. I'm pretty sure I saw a picture of your dad before. These guys are really fun to teach about because there's so many facts about chameleons that I love. Look at those beautiful golden eyes, you guys. Can you see his eyes? He's wanting to climb onto the camera. He's like, I just want to get out of here. I understand, buddy. We're going to keep it brief. Look at those hands trying to grab onto the camera. They have fused toes that kind of remind me of chip clips. Want to hang onto my toe? Uh, under my toe. Under my finger with your toe. Look at that. See his little hand? Isn't that cool? He is so neat, you guys. Panther chameleons come in different subspecies and localities, and they are different colors depending on where they come from in Madagascar. Now you've got me uh, thinking, now I've got myself thinking, I should say, um, if these guys are legal to import anymore. I wonder if there's like regulations on it. That would be very interesting to research. Now, sometimes when we breed animals and things like that just to conserve the species, we do need new genetics every now and then. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of one of those controversial things, right? Let me know what you think in the comments down below. If we should be uh, importing animals anymore from the wild or leaving them alone. Now, animals are not really, uh, in general, they, they do need some help in general with animals, right? With with different habitats and conserving their species through habitat uh, protection and things like that. We need to make sure and be doing that, so. Oh my gosh. Now chameleons, I, I really don't think that they should have been pets in the first place. That's one thing. <laughs> and that, that, to each his own, but that's just my opinion. Animals like iguanas as well, I don't think make very good pets at all and should be left alone in the wild. Alrighty, you guys. Let me know if you have any questions about Thanos, the panther chameleon. Now he's getting sassy with me. You see that posturing that he's doing, the open mouth? He's trying to look really, really scary and scare me away. I get it, buddy. I get it. I will not touch you, I promise. And I will not hurt you ever. Never, never. They're amazing animals, you guys. He's extremely popular. People do want to see him. But please don't be offended if he doesn't like you. He doesn't like anyone. Right, Thanos. All right, you guys. I'm going to let him go down and rest. Say goodbye to Instagram.
Hi, Instagram fam. He's going to go back down here and rest for a little bit. When I say back down here, he's going into his travel enclosure. All of our animals have their own travel enclosures, of course. And they all make sense to the size of the animal to travel. And then behind the scenes, of course, he lives in his great big enclosure, which is a screen enclosure with UV lamps, a small heat lamp. He gets misted twice a day for their care. They get misted a lot and uh, lots of showers and misting for chameleons because they're tropical. Chameleons also have uh, tend to have a lot of eye problems if you don't shower them enough, if they don't have enough humidity or like a shower so they can kind of roll and clean their eyes and get dead skin away and things. They're very high maintenance, these chameleons. So I do not recommend for pets, but they're wonderful animals in the wild and wonderful to teach about in zoos or traveling zoos like us, right? Let me know if you guys have any questions. We're actually going to uh, bring out a mammal next. So what I'm going to do, I know you guys hear the bird chirping over there, but they're going to be last. So what I'm going to do is um, step away into the next room just briefly. And I'm going to get our second animal, which happens to be a mammal. Um, this particular mammal happens to be a predator and a very, very active and kind of noisy predator when his in his travel enclosure because he just wants to get out and play with us and be with us because they're very, very social with humans. So let me go ahead and uh, go and get him and I'll be right back, you guys. Alrighty, guys, thank you so much for your patience. We have a ferret on the show tonight. This is Loki, of course. You guys have probably seen Loki before and he's one of our ferrets. Now he is actually a ferret hybrid with a European polecat. So he's a very, very special individual. Um, he was specially bred like that. Uh, most ferrets that you see in the United States anyway are actually um, from a place called Marshall Farms. Um, and that's kind of like a puppy mill for ferrets. And we'll maybe not talk about that too much. That's not the most uh, exciting and pretty conversation. Um, but he is not from Marshall Farms or from a pet store. He actually came specially bred from a wonderful kind of hobby breeder. And that's her, that's, I think that's like all she does for a living. She's wonderful. She's down in Houston and are over in Houston. And uh, we have Loki, this guy, and Thor, and they're both very healthy, robust, large male ferrets. Both of them are neutered, but we didn't have them neutered until they were around, uh, I think they were nine months old, which is a good time to neuter them. Most um, ferrets are neutered or spayed very, very early in the United States, and that's not really good for their growth and health. So, but Loki specifically is actually part European polecat, kind of like a wolf hybrid dog. Um, wolves are the origin species for your dog, and, dog at home. I almost said dog and cat. Dog at home comes from a gray wolf, right? Well, the domestic ferret that you might have seen in other people's houses or pet stores comes from an animal called the European polecat, which is not a cat at all. It's actually a weasel. They're in the weasel family. They are mustelids or weasels. And weasels include, of course, weasels, ermines, badgers, wolverines, otters, all kinds of really cool animals are in the mustelid or weasel family, including the European polecat. Now, European polecats in the wild look pretty much exactly like Loki. <laughs> uh, remember, he's a hybrid. So he is part domestic ferret and part European polecat. And his mom was even more polecat than he is, right? That's how it works <laughs> genetically. But uh, pretty cool guy. He is very active. He's anticipating his food, which comes from a pouch in my on my hip over here. <laughs> and what he's eating now is going to be chicken flavored baby food. Now our ferrets are also fed 
raw meat, which is a natural and very healthy diet for ferrets. Ferrets in captivity oftentimes are actually fed kibble, which isn't the worst, depending on the uh, amount of protein in your kibble. A lot of ferrets that are raised on kibble as a baby, they won't switch over to a raw meat diet. So it's really, really hard to switch them over if they're already used to kibble. They kind of imprint on their diet. And then it's very difficult. Luckily for our guys, they were raised on raw meat. So raw meat is what they're used to and raw meat is what they get twice a day, every single day. And that is what they eat in the wild as well because they are obligate carnivores. But for training and uh, working <laughs> and doing programs like this, he gets chicken flavored baby food and he gets to just lick it off my fingers as like a little treat. But it's not something they see every day by no means. And it is their favorite. So he's really excited about it. And it also helps to feed him uh, something that he can lick as opposed to bite. So he won't like accidentally bite my finger and things like that. Now, a lot of people do ask me, does he bite? Yes, <laughs> he sure does. He can bite um, and has bitten me before, especially when a baby and not knowing any manners or how to uh, control his strength because they have very strong jaws for their size. In fact, they have a pretty short nose for a predator. You guys see a short nose. And that is your mustelids or weasels in general. They have kind of a shorter snout and that actually gives them a stronger bite. The longer the snout, the less strong of a carnivorous bite they can have for an animal. Oh, he's so cute. Um, but if you think about it, like a bulldog or I'm trying to think of a natural animal besides a, a weasel type animal, they have a shorter snout and they do have quite a bit of power in their skull for crushing bones and things like that. So yes, he can bite and has bitten, but he's gotten a lot better about doing that to me at least and to his his caretakers otherwise besides me. Where are you going? You cannot get down. You need to be here with us. So anyway, they're awesome. Um, These guys of course are mammals. They're covered in hair and they're a type of mammal that lives in Europe where it snows a lot and uh, they do not hibernate. So they're going to actually have a thicker coat in the winter. I bet if it gets cold, here in Texas, he's gonna grow some thicker hair. He might do it anyway. And that's gonna be a natural way for them to insulate. But also um, they don't hibernate, so they have to store some food. These guys do eat every day. In fact, they like to eat multiple times a day. We feed them twice a day, but they kind of eat it throughout the morning and throughout the evening. And in the wild, they prefer to eat four to five times a day if they can. So sometimes they'll stash away food and eat it like that. They have to eat at least a couple times a day to be happy about it. <laughs> And uh, that is very unusual for most predators. Most predatory mammals, especially, um, they only eat like once a day, if that. They eat whatever they can get. Right, Loki? Oh my, he's so pretty. These guys are a little bit special that way. They have a higher metabolism for a predatory animal than most other predators, right? I'm going to make sure I can see y'all's comments because I took it away because of all the logistics up here. And then since I have baby food on my hand, I can't reach down with this hand and touch my computer, can I? Raw meat problem. So he's wonderful, you guys. So Loki's another very popular animal to meet in person, but we do not allow touching with our ferrets because they can bite. And we wanna make sure you guys are safe, but many, many other uh, animals that you guys can meet are touchable. Like Sandor the Flemish giant rabbit is a really good option for a touching animal or our guinea pigs, of course, maybe our tortoises, bearded dragons, etc. Not the chameleon. Chameleons don't enjoy being touched by anybody, <laughs> including myself. And uh, so we just bring out Thanos for like maybe a presentation style and then put him back away. Just like we did tonight on the virtual. 
Yeah. So I hope you guys like Thor. Uh, Thor. Thor is his brother. I hope you guys like Loki. Loki does have a brother named Thor. Thor is a white ferret with dark eyes. And uh, they are adopted brothers, right? <laughs> Just like in the Marvel Universe or in Norse mythology, etc. I know North Norse mythology, Loki is very different than what the Marvel Universe is. But I still love the names and they kind of go with the European um, kind of locality, which is where they're from in the wild, right? You can see his little paws gripping my hand. They don't have hands like a raccoon or anything like that, but they do have a little bit of uh, ability to grab with their claws and paws. And since he's a polecat hybrid, he has a little bit more webbing on his toes. Some other domestic ferrets I've seen before have webbing on their toes too, but the more domesticated they become, the less webbing they have. See the, the webbed toes that he has? He's able to swim a little bit better than like a more domesticated or differently bred ferret. <laughs> and ferrets come in all different types of colors nowadays. This is the wild type or sable. My favorite. I especially like his dark sable color with the mask. Look at the food on his nose. Oh my gosh, Loki. So messy. They are very messy animals in general, not just when eating baby food off of hands. They are very messy and stinky animals. Oh, there's a bunch of food all over his face. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh my gosh, look at his whiskers. So these guys have the, a great ability to tunnel and go underground and they need a way to be able to sense um, maybe the width of the tunnel, etc. They can't really see in the dark underground when they're tunneling, um, but they can smell, hear, of course, and feel. And that's what those whiskers are for. The whiskers are gonna kind of help guide him through the tunnels and feel his way around like feelers on an insect. <laughs> it's gonna help them out. They have great sense of hearing, smell, taste and touch, but not the best vision for a carnivore. He still does have uh, decent eyesight. His eyesight is limited though, and he cannot see color. But let me tell you, these guys are very, very tenacious animals and uh, they go after whatever moves that might look like food to them. They want to grab it right up and hunt it. They're very capable hunters, which is how ferrets were domesticated in the first place. The humans, tail as old as time, have had issues with pests and have had issues with being hungry, right? So uh, humans uh, sometimes like to hunt animals like rabbits or birds and all sorts of game, right? And also humans have pests like rats and mice. So that's where ferrets come into play when it comes to being a human, uh, needing a solution for that problem. Ferrets were brought into humans' lives to help them hunt. So uh, it wasn't to hunt the ferrets, it was to help them hunt with them, if that makes sense. So the ferrets are so good at hunting rats and mice that they would hunt vermin in people's homes. And they're so good at hunting rabbits and other kind of tunneling animals like, like muskrats and things that they would help humans hunt those as well. And it was actually fairly easy to train them to do that because it's a natural behavior. And that's how ferrets ended up in human homes. Now. How ferrets ended up more as like a pet animal just happened gradually. Um, but it would mostly be the ferrets that would happen to be born and bred as a different color than dark. So the dark ferrets are ideal for on the field because they blend in really well, especially in the dark. And they blend in really well to the natural kind of backdrop of nature. Uh, but every now and then they would get a spontaneous like albino ferret, which is white with red eyes, right? Or a spontaneous like light colored, maybe blonde ferret. And that wouldn't be as ideal for the field 
because they wouldn't blend in as well for hunting. So when those light colored ferrets would happen, whether they be white or blonde or whatever, or silver, um, those would end up being pets in people's homes. And it was typically very, very rich people that would end up with pets because back in the old days, you didn't really have pets unless you were wealthy, especially an ex a kind of exotic or special pet like a ferret, right? So they would often be gifted as very, very special gifts to royalty and important or rich people back in the old days, about 3,000 years ago, or, or maybe less than that, right? They're neat animals. Um, so, of course, they're mammals. They have hair, warm bodies. They do have, when they have their babies, their babies are called kits, and they do have litters of them. Usually small litters, anywhere from like two to maybe five. Every now and again, they'll have up to ten <laughs> or something like that, but that's kind of rare. Their babies are extra cute when they're babies and they nurse on mom's milk and then graduate over to like kind of soft meat and then start eating pretty pretty solid meat pretty soon as soon as they can not like a cat or a dog right they're awesome they are obligate carnivores so they should be eating meat and only meat when fed a kibble diet it's not the best for them because kibble no matter how high quality and high protein it always has some sort of fillers or carbohydrates and things like that or some sort of vegetable in it so that comes out in excess with a ferret. They end up pooping more. They end up getting all sorts of different internal organ issues. Um, so we chose to keep them on raw meat. It's really not that hard. It's pretty easy to feed them naturally. I'm super used to it now. And they are too. And it's really worth it to keep them healthy. And they also poop less, which makes it a lot easier. I'm not saying they don't poop very much, because they do. They do poop a lot. They usually go in their litter box. Now, for us, we keep them in a, a large um, kind of ferret nation cage, which is a great big ferret designed cage um, together. And then they also get playtime in a playpen unsupervised. And if we're supervising them or taking them on program, then they can do other things as well. Oh, my gosh. But there are a lot of cleanup and a lot of work. Not great for every last person. Um, not every pet is good for everybody, right? And these guys are definitely not a low-maintenance domestic animal, even though they're a domestic. As a ferret goes, they are a domestic animal. Not going to lie, but that doesn't mean they're low-maintenance. Some of our domestic animals are some of the highest maintenance, like our ferrets and our guinea pigs. <laughs> guinea pigs are great pets, but they're high-maintenance and a lot of cleanup. But they're super worth it, right? Let me know if you guys have any questions or want to know anything about our ferret. I'm going to go ahead and put him away so we can meet our final animal species. Uh, one of my favorite things about ferrets is their flexibility. They have a very flexible spine. I'm going to get it done real quick. I'm losing my voice already, you guys. <coughs> Excuse me. So these guys have a very flexible backbone. They can literally bend in half like this. And that's often how they sleep. They'll kind of compress themselves. And that helps them to tunnel and be able to be very flexible going into tunnels. But also if they hit a dead end, they can snake their way back the other way and not have to back up because of their flexibility in their spine. They're really special that way. Very low to the ground. Definitely a terrestrial as opposed to an arboreal like the chameleon, right? Arboreal means tree dwelling and terrestrial means ground dwelling. And these guys are even subterrestrial most of the time, which means underground. They like to be inside of a tunnel. They do not have claustrophobia like me. I don't like small spaces. That makes me nervous and claustrophobic. But that's what you guys like. You guys like tight tunnels and spaces. All right, Loki. We're going to go ahead and let him go back to his travel enclosure and, and party in there, I guess. And I'll be right back, you guys, okay, with our final animal species. 
Okay, you guys, thank you so much for your patience over here on Facebook and YouTube. I had to clean up a little bit because as you might imagine, baby food all over the fingers isn't the best situation for the next animal coming out. I'm going to lower our light as well because the next animal's coming out. There's two of them, hopefully, potentially, two of them um, coming out at once, same species. And they are uh, adopted siblings as well, just like Thor and Loki, now that I think about it. Oh my gosh, there's a hair all over my face from the ferret. That's not good, huh? So our screeching friends are coming out next. Happens to be two of our cockatiels, you guys. And it's the first time, oh, the hair on me. First time um, they've ever worked in the same show together, but I think it's gonna go fine. And if it doesn't, it just doesn't. <laughs> and we move forward. So we're gonna meet Sunny and Dandy. They're really excited. And I've got some treats for them right here. Here we go. There goes nothing. Ah! <laughs> Good job. So Sunny on my head and Dandy on my hand. Come on, Sunny. There you go. So that wasn't really Sunny's fault. I actually was kind of leaning down to get Dandy. She was taking a little bit longer than Sunny. Sunny jumped the gun a little bit. Oh, Dandy, you have food all over your face. Now, I did lie. They've been on the show before together, but they were just little babies back then. So it's just been a while since they've been on the show together at the same time. But as grown birds, they've never been on the show together. It's just been a long time. Good job. So it's a little bit harder to work two at once, but I think I can do it. <laughs> I'm a professional, right, you guys? So let's give them some treats on the hand so that they stay there. So right now they're eating a little bit of millet seed, their favorite treat item but they don't necessarily see every day either. So the animals that work for their food on the show or in programs in general or birthday parties or whatever we do, um, we tend to want to use their favorite foods, right? That makes sense. And it may not be something that they see every day. Just like Loki was eating the, the baby food that he specially gets just for shows and working. These guys only get the millet seed when they're working. So they don't see the seed every single day. They get a healthy diet of uh, specialized pellets in the evening. And they're going to get that after this as well, as much as they want. And uh, in the morning, they actually get veggies. They get healthy veggies in the morning. And seed is a very limited item that they get. Because seeds can actually make them too overweight and very unhealthy as a parrot goes. So these are parrots. They're just tiny ones. So we have here a couple of cockatiels, right? They are twins, right? They're actually not full siblings. They just look the same. Oh my gosh. Please get along. They usually get along really well. Um, they are best friends and adopted siblings, and they do live together in the same enclosure. There we go. There we go. You maybe want one on this hand. This is a lot more work than I thought it would be. Whee! There we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> I lasted for a hot second. But anyway, so these guys are yellow. As you can see, they're not the normal color of gray, white, yellow, and orange that most cockatiels are in the wild, etc. And sometimes like Evie, for example, our other cockatiel that you guys know. Uh, he is the wild type coloration. These guys are called Lutino, which is a special yellow, and it's a form of albino. So they're actually um, uh, red-eyed. Don't fight, don't fight. Can you go here? Great if you can land on my shoulder. Maybe we'll take the food away and just work you guys for attention. That would be great. Oh my goodness. But there's seeds everywhere. I don't see them. <laughs> and Sunny actually did a, a Zoom earlier with Eva's Heroes, one of our clients, frequent, frequent flyer clients. Haha. 
They're just hanging out together. Aren't they gorgeous? So again, these are leucinos. It's a form of albinism or being albino. They have red eyes and it's especially um, kind of genetic mutation that somebody bred into cockatiels a long time ago and uh, have continued to breed in the cure of humans. So you only see this color, don't fight. You'll only see this coloration in the cure of humans, not in the wild, unless there's a spontaneous albino one, right? And that does happen every now and then. There's also other types of albino cockatiels that are white with red eyes too. Pretty cool. There's so many different types of morphs and colors of cockatiels that I do not know because I'm not a cockatiel breeder or expert in their morphs. But I do enjoy them and they're one of my favorites to keep around here once in a while. <laughs> this is chaotic with two of them. You want to get on my shoulder? That would be great. Wonderful. So we have one on my shoulder that's going to play with my hair and things. And then another one on hand. That's a lot easier to deal with unless they fly away. As you can see, they have free choice whether or not they want to sit where they are or if they want to fly away. Most of the time, though, they will um, just choose to hang out with me. But they are fully flighted. These guys are um, fully feathered, fully flighted. I want to make sure they're fully in focus <laughs> right now. A little bit of a shallow depth of field. There we go. But Dandy's on my shoulder playing with my hair and Sunny's over here on the hand. Aren't they cute? It's chaotic sometimes here once in a while, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, these guys are best friends and adopted siblings. Wonderful little birds. Cockatiels are kind of a popular pet bird, but I don't think that they're for everybody either. We keep talking about this, right? So chameleon, terrible pet. Ferret, not the greatest pet for everybody and neither are birds. Um, parrots, like the cockatiel and other parrot species are extremely intelligent, extremely messy, extremely noisy, and it takes a lot of training to get them to be tame, um, like you would want them, right? Just like Sunny and Dandy. Sunny and Dandy, I actually hand raised myself um, from little babies, so they're extra tame. Oh my goodness. And we work them with multiple people, and they go see a lot of crowds, and they get a really cool life where they get to do a lot. As you can see, they can still be really annoying and eat your earrings. Can I cover my ear? Maybe you won't eat it. Don't eat my earring. That hurts. You can eat my hair. That's fine. Yay. <laughs> uh, but it takes a lot of work for them to get like this. This is not how most birds are. Uh, it takes a lot of taming, training, work, uh, things like that. And not everybody knows how to raise cockatiels or birds in general. Sunny, come here. Sunny. He's going to go down and eat crumbs, but at least we have Dandy with us, right? So not every bird's going to be like that. Not everybody knows how to raise them properly. It can be very dangerous to hand feed parrots if you don't know what you're doing. If we're not careful, he's going to turn off our computer. Um, so I don't recommend that for everybody by any means. So it's a lot to think about. And you want to keep them flighted as well if you can. Keeping them clipped is um, actually quite... Um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Come here. Keeping them clipped doesn't give them a choice of whether they can hang out with you or not. So that can create kind of a cantankerous bird. You know what that means? A grumpy bird. A potentially aggressive bird. So a lot of times when birds are kept um, clipped, their wings are clipped, in my opinion, that gives them less choice, right, of whether or not they want to hang out with you. Um, and they're more scared because they feel cornered and trapped because they can't fly away. Now, there's also inherent dangers with having a flighted bird. You have to make sure your doors are shut and your windows are shut and uh, that the bird understands that uh, flying into windows is dangerous. So there's a lot of training that goes with that as well. Ow! No! Hurts. They might eat your ear off. <laughs> Dangerous! Step up. Step up again. Good job. 
And they're very smart. So they, uh, I mean, are very stubborn, smart. You cannot hit or punish a bird like that. That is not a thing. Um, they will hit you forever if you do that. Sunny! Lots of positive reinforcement. Animals in general thrive on positive reinforcement, but especially birds. Birds do not do well because they're very afraid of predators most of the time. Even predatory birds are scared of predators. <laughs> Everybody has a predator for the most part. So what I'm trying to tell you is that these parrots especially, they are kind of designed to be a fearful, kind of defensive animal. And you have to get around that. <laughs> Dandy's being ridiculous right now. Um, also, they need a lot to do because they're very smart and active animals. In the wild, uh, any parrot, this is any parrot, is going to be flying, foraging, and doing something all day long, as opposed to sitting in a cage all day. So you need to make sure they have a lot of exercise. Uh, flying is a great form of exercise if you can give them a safe room to be around, to be in and around. Um, and that's what we do at once in a while. We actually have for our small birds like this, we have a big designated room for them where they get to basically be out and free all day long until they're put away for bed. And they get their breakfast and dinner in their enclosure so they can have a little bit of space for that and not be, you know, bickering at each other. The only ones that live together are our doves, who are there four of them. And then these two cockatiels here, Sunny and Dandy, live together and they, they have separate bowls to eat out of. Dandy's really enjoying some hair time right now, hanging out on my shoulder in my hair. What a hot mess we are today. But this was a fun experiment. Not as easy to work two birds as one. But look, look, look at Dandy. Oh my gosh. Dandy also has food on her face from this morning's breakfast. We didn't even wipe our faces for the show. How could you? Goodbye, Sunny. Dandy's so cute. You're stuck in my hair. Can I help? She's like, yes, please help. You can see how tame they are. They're not afraid of hands, but a lot of birds are afraid of hands. Oh, you're stuck right in my hair. We might have to untangle you. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, and again, you're working around a prey animal, <laughs> uh, not a predator, that is very intelligent, wants a lot of attention, very noisy, kind of destructive as well. Most parrots are very destructive. Something that Sunny really likes is kissing noises. That might look like he's upset at me, but he's not. He's playing. Wah! That's a very playful and fun behavior that Sunny does. Oh my gosh, don't get tangled up some more. And you might get a bird tangled up in your hair. So if you're ready for this kind of life, <laughs> you might be a good candidate for a small parrot like this. But my main deterrent, well, there's, there's many deterrents for not getting a pet parrot. But for me, ah, it's got to be the noise factor. So these guys are extremely noisy. However, cockatiels aren't the noisiest of all the parrots, which is why I think they're so popular. Can you sit on my shoulder there? I think they're, they're popular because they're a smaller size. They are a lot less loud and noisy than other parrots. They might be noisy, but their volume isn't as loud, which I like. So that's my main problem is the ear piercing noises that most parrots can make. So I'm not a big fan of that. So I would say no, don't get a parrot. And a lot of times parrots uh, don't thrive in people's homes if they're not home all the time. They're not getting the attention they need or the diet that they require, etc. Right? So something to think about. But other than them being pets in the wild, they're amazing animals. They're seed dispersers, which means they eat a lot of seeds and spill a lot of seeds and poop a lot of seeds out. So they're planting trees and plants wherever they go. That goes for all seed-eating animals. And uh, 
They are, of course, prey for other animals. That's another one of their important lots in life. Where are you going? That's another one of their important lots in life. Equally as important to be food for other animals, like predators. Their main predators in the wild are going to be birds of prey, like falcons and hawks during the day. They're a diurnal species, so that's really going to be their main predators or other diurnal or daytime species. And birds are going to be eating other birds in the wild. So that is going to be their main predator. So if these guys were to end up outside, heaven forbid, and flying around, that's what they would be looking out for the most in the wild of Texas if they escaped. Would be like hawks. So they see a hawk, they're like, oh my gosh, I better hide from the hawk. However, these guys have zero skills of survival in the wild, so we're not going to let that happen. Also, they're the wrong color. They don't blend into anything. <laughs> they are light yellow, which is almost white. And a very vulnerable color indeed to not be camouflaged in the wild. Aren't they adorable? They look like a couple little Pokemon over here, right? They have their cute little mohawks on top of their head, which happen to be feathers and not ha hair, right? Um, they are feathers because they're birds. Birds have feathers and not hair. Can get on my shoulder? No. Do you want to get on my shoulder? That would be great. Oh, I love you. Yes, I do. Um... And that mohawk or crest that cockatiels and cockatoos have is going to be some of their expression. So they can express themselves like we do with our eyebrows or faces. Uh, birds in general express themselves with their feathers, don't they? They're going to fluff their feathers so they feel a certain way or slick their feathers so they feel a certain way. Right on cue, Sunny. Thanks. And uh, they also use their feathers for flight and insulation and all sorts of things. But communication is part of that. But the crest is like an extra exciting way to communicate with feathers. So they have a big crest that can give them expression and communicate with other cockatiels and also uh, humans in this case, right? Since they live with humans and want to communicate with us. We may not speak their language, but they're trying to communicate with us all the time. Aren't you gorgeous? So pretty, Sunny. We love you. Uh, parrots in general, not just cockatiels, but all sorts of parrots have zygodactyl feet. Um, that means they have two toes in the front and two toes in the back. And that gives them actually a little bit stronger of a grip with their foot and also the ability to use their foot for a little hand if they want to eat a seed, a nut, or a food item. Are you okay, Dandy? Or we've got a little itch on the head. Oh, that's so cute when they scratch with their zygodactyl toes. Um, zygodactyl feet is like a foot placement on some birds. Owls actually have zygodactyl foot placement as well and that gives them a very strong grip kind of an equally equally strong grip on either side most birds like that perch in trees like songbirds crows whatever even hawks even though they have very strong feet most of those birds have anisodactyl feet which means three toes in the front and one in the back but not parrots parrots and owls and some other animals have zygodactyl toes isn't that a fun word zygodactyl one of my favorite words Dandy is making herself at home over here by preening her feathers and getting all pretty for you guys. That's a very good sign of a comfortable, relaxed, and uh, safe bird. They feel safe. They're not looking around for predators. They're making themselves at home and just cleaning themselves. And uh, also, that's really important for their feathers. Maybe she'll fix her face as well with that piece of food on her face. Looks like a mustache over there. Aren't they beautiful? I sure do love cockatiels. I love birds of all types, although I can only tolerate so much noise. So personally, I've chosen to keep some of the quieter types of birds. Like we have three cockatiels. We have um, doves. We have a budgie, which a lot of people call a parakeet. Did you know that this is a parakeet as well? Technically, 
Parakeets are just small parrots, and this is one of them. Parrots come in all sizes, except for a giant anymore, but back in the dinosaur days, there were giant parrots, parrot-type birds. Um, but parrots um, come in tiny parrots and larger parrots, the largest being the macaws, right? Hyacinth macaws, I believe, are the heaviest and largest. Oh my gosh, these birds are so cute. I can't even handle it. I love them. Um, but parrots are all the way down to the pygmy parrot and parrotlets are the smallest. And then you have animals like parakeets, like these guys, and budgies. Whoa, we lost our bird. Budgies are the most common parakeet known to humans because they're also in the pet trade. You guys know uh, parakeets, right? That you've seen in like a pet store or maybe in somebody's home. Those are technically a budgerigard. And we have one of those too. Her name is R2-D2. R2-D2 is one of our rescue animals. She was actually a stray bird in somebody's backyard. They found her. She was flying around and was looking for help, looking for food, which is the right thing to do. If you're a stray parrot, you should not be on your own trying to survive because you're not going to make it. They don't live here in the United States. All right, you guys have been fantastic tonight. I hope that you are doing well. I hope you had fun with all the chaotic happenings tonight with the birds and the ferret and the chameleon who was very stoic and kind of angry at us. Um, but these parrots, these parrots, these birds are a really fun way to kind of end the night, right? They're always hams and a lot of fun. Very entertaining to say the least. I think Can we put some more light on them. Oh, the thing is about this lighting in here is it makes them look like they're like white. Over on Instagram, I'm using my phone, so the camera kind of compensates a little bit better for the light. Let's see if we can focus, there we go. And uh, I wish you guys could see them in real life. Maybe someday you can actually book your own animal encounter and meet Sunny and Dandy in person. And if you want to meet any of our other animals virtually or in person, please feel free to let us know. Our number's down below. Our website's down below. Book your own animal encounter. That's the best way to help us out, of course. You get to choose the animals that you want to meet and uh, get your own experience that way. If you want more details, let me know. You can also donate to our little zoo and help Sunny and Dandy, Loki and Thanos thrive by donating to us. If you want to, every little bit helps. You can donate, sponsor, tip, <laughs> all of the above. If you like what you see today and you want to help us spread the good word about animal education. I know I was talking a little bit about some negative things tonight, like like animal conservation in the wild, um, like, uh, you know, conservation in Madagascar and things like that. But it's really important to talk about as well. But I also wanted to talk about like what makes a good pet, what makes a bad pet. But there's a lot of positivity to talk about as well. And I hope you guys have had fun. So Sunset Wildlife Connection has a really great question. We're not going to talk about that just quite yet. I'm so glad that you're here. But uh, I mean, you can talk about it a little bit. We've made a slight announcement about a new animal. If you want to learn what animal we just actually, oh my gosh, adopted not too long ago. That was a big yawn from our little cockatiel. Um, if you want to learn about our newest animal, please visit our Instagram, TikTok, and I think on Facebook as well. Instagram, you're already there. Um, there is a video regarding our newest animal, but I do want to uh, keep it a little quiet on the live stream because he's brand new and not quite ready to work on a live stream yet. So I would love to show you guys the new animal soon. Maybe next week he'll be ready and we'll give it a go. Um, thank you for being here, Sunset Wildlife Connection and supporting us. Uh, they're also a wonderful organization down in Florida. If you guys wanna check out Sunset Wildlife Connection, they do the same thing that we do, which is education with animals and traveling petting zoos and things like that. 
If you guys want your own animal experience in person right here in San Antonio and surrounding cities areas, let me know. We can provide a mini petting zoo for your next event. We can provide animal therapy. We can bring animals to, uh, of course, classrooms for education and all sorts of different scenarios. Just let me know. And we'll, we're happy to work with you and happy to work with your budget, happy to work with any ideas that you have. Photo opportunities are also a really big hit as well. And uh, let us know. And if, again, if you want to donate to us, you can do so via Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, and also our Amazon wish list, which has a whole bunch of pre-selected items for our animals, including Dandy, Sunny, Thanos, and Loki, and many, many more. I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday season coming up. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Hope you, have, you guys have some good plans. You're going to eat a bunch of yummy food. And I guess we'll go ahead and close here in a second. And make sure everything is logistically ready for that. <laughs> and uh, you guys have been wonderful yet quiet tonight. But that's okay. I understand you have a life outside of once in a while. And that is okay. But we hope to see you next week on once in a wild wednesday wednesday of course at 6 30 p.m central standard time and uh, we'll see you guys next week how about that bye guys Okay, you guys, thanks for all your patience with me tonight, and we'll see you next time on Once in a Wild Wednesday next week at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube, Facebook, and maybe even Instagram, too. See you guys next time. Bye!